This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Nine Lives with Dr. Cat is brought to you by Heroes for Healthy Pets. We're passionate about your pet's health. And by Fear Free Pets and iHeartCats.com. Cat lovers, welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian. And as many of you know, I'm also owned by a cat named Camper. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Cherie Wisson, who is a veterinarian with Helping Hands Hospice. And she is an expert on end of life and managing long-term disease processes for our cats. And we want to hear everything about her advice and her experiences with this issue after these brief messages. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's Veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to be asked to come and talk on the show. Well, I think that every cat lover either has the issue that is your specialty or has it in their future. So I think it's so very important. And you had some special points that you had raised to me that you want cat lovers to be aware of. And one of them that springs to mind for me is that cats can suffer from arthritis. Can you talk with us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I'll give you a little bit of background. I'm a hospice specialist, so I have a certificate in hospice and palliative care, and that's a that's a brand new thing. So I'm really excited about it, but uh, it's it's really brought to my attention the things that we're neglecting in our feline patients. And I did feline-only medicine for about five years of my career, so it holds a special place in my heart, and, and I love the feline medicine challenge because cats are not easy. I have two cats myself, Bailey and Pirate, and they are getting up there in age. And one of the things that I really want pet owners to know is that virtually all cats have arthritis in at least one joint by the time they're 12. And I cannot count the number of times clients come into my office and say, oh, well, he doesn't have any pain. He doesn't cry. And it drives me crazy because they almost never cry. I've seen animals walk on a broken leg and not cry. They don't have to hurt to cry. And I even have that as my new hashtag on on Instagram is don't have to hurt to cry because we're missing pain in our feline patients all the time. And it's not until I dig a little deeper with questions about their behavior that people go, oh, I didn't know that was pain. Well, and I think that's 
really a service that we can do for our listeners today is to raise their awareness because cats are really brave and really stoic about everything and they hide pain from us. So I'm so happy that you're here to raise everyone's awareness to that. So can you talk with us a little bit about what cat owners might see at home that would be a warning sign that their cat has pain? Okay, sure. The first thing is, the the first thing we look for, the first thing I always ask about is, are they jumping? And not just are they jumping, but how high? Or are are they using intermediate jumps? So instead of jumping from the floor to the top of the refrigerator, are they jumping to the chair, then the counter, then the top of the refrigerator? They will, I've seen cats that I know for a fact have huge amounts of arthritis and they still jump. It's how often, how high. And some clients will tell me, no, he hasn't jumped on anything in probably five years. And I think, wow, for five years, he's been in pain. Let's see if we can do something about that. Other things that we see, a decrease or lack of grooming, decreased visits to the food dish. So clients will tell me he's not hungry. He doesn't seem to have a good appetite. And I can't figure out there's nothing that would give him a bad appetite when I work them up. And then I give them some treats on the table and they gobble it like they haven't seen it in years. Well, they don't want to get up and walk to the food dish because it hurts. If we treat them for pain and maybe move the food dish a little closer, suddenly they're eating just fine. So those are just a few of the things. Cats are very secretive. They don't like to tell us when they hurt. But if your cat is 12 or older, they hurt somewhere and we need to do something about that. And your veterinarian is a resource because there are certainly options your pet does not have to suffer. And that's kind of the role that Dr. Buisson and I play is making sure that that does not happen. So can we dig a little deeper into not just quality of life issues for all pets, but maybe defining for people what hospice pet care is? Sure. So there's a few different terminologies that go along with this. So what I like to start with is palliative care. Palliative care means we're treating the symptoms, we are preparing for a disease that we know how it progresses, and we're supporting the emotional needs of the pet and the family. So as pets age, things get a lot harder for the owners. You know, there may be more vomiting and things that they have to clean up. We may be missing the litter box. We may be picky about our food and they start playing what I call Frisky's roulette, where you have a different flavor of Frisky's every day and the next day they can't stand that and it's the worst thing they ever ate. So they have a lot more to do with an elderly pet. And that's something that they need support for. And and a lot of times people and their pets suffer in silence. So palliative care just makes them comfortable. Hospice care is palliative care when they have a disease that we know is going to cause them to die eventually. Cancer, kidney disease, those kind of things. And so hospice is for real true end of life care, palliative care, you know, we do palliative care for pets when they have their spay or their neuter because we provide pain medication and we comfort them and we keep them warm. But hospice is for end of life. And I do hospice care at home, which is awesome because the pets, there's nowhere that pets are more comfortable than in their home. And so we can provide that kind of comfort care without them ever having to leave the house. And I know because I'm a cat owner and I know all of you out there have at least one cat that hates getting in the car, whether they're going to the vet or whether they're going to kitty paradise, you know, where they can do cat things all day. They don't like riding in the car for the most part. And so what we also see with these pets that are elderly and have arthritis is sometimes they start to misbehave at the vet and we think, oh, he's just old and cranky. Well, what you don't realize is when you put a cat on a hard table and stretch them out or hold them down, if they're arthritic, that hurts. So we need to use more of the low stress handling and fear-free techniques to keep these kitties comfortable, put them on some pain medicine or keep them at home or even better, all three that we can still keep them going to the vet, but make sure that they're more comfortable. 
Well, so if you think about disease processes that we know are not curable, sadly, arthritis, osteoarthritis is one of those diseases and it has to be managed. So I think it's so important that everyone that has a cat over 12 years of age recognize that that's probably happening and talk with their veterinarian about strategies in the home and medications that can help make life a little easier. I think that goes back to what you were saying about sometimes it's a little bit harder to be a pet parent for an elderly pet. Yes, definitely. And don't just get distracted by the number 12. You know, 12, we know for sure they've got arthritis, but I see arthritis in all ages of cats because if they've ever had an injury, they can develop arthritis at two or three years old, depending on what's going on. So we need to look for signs that they're not as comfortable, that they're slow to get up or slow to lie down, or they don't want to lie down. They're pacing around. Sometimes they will vocalize and cry, but most of the time they just limit what they do just like us. You know, if I get out of bed in the morning and my back hurts, I'm probably not going to do backflips down the driveway. And so our cats are the same way. We just don't notice it because they tend to sleep a lot anyway. And so we just, you know, if they sleep 23 hours instead of 20 hours, we don't really tend to notice it as much. So we just want to raise awareness. And that's why I wanted to have you here today to raise everyone's awareness that the way your cat is jumping or isn't jumping or is interacting could be an alert sign for you. And you mentioned, I think, that behavior can change. And I think sometimes it's litter box habits that are our clue. Can you talk about that? Yes. Litter box habits are huge for kitties. Um, And sometimes we find as they get older, they need less litter in the box sometimes because they can't keep their balance as well in a thick layer of litter. If the litter box requires that they jump into it, like I know a lot of people keep their litter box in the bathtub, they may find that they're having accidents right outside the bathtub or right outside the box because they know they should go in there and they really, really want to, but it hurts. And a small box, you know, for a bigger cat to try to get in a small box and scrunch up their body when they're hurting is next to impossible. We also see a lot of constipation in older cats. And so if you can imagine that they're not only having a painful bowel movement, but it takes a long time and they have to crouch in this litter that they're not on balance. Well, of course, they're going to find someplace else to go because that's just too much to ask of them. And they can't tell us that. So it's all about being tuned in to the signs that they are sharing. So I imagine that you have a lot of patients that you routinely care for. Could you go through maybe some of the more common disease processes that you see just in case someone out there is listening and has a cat that is being treated or being managed for some certain illness that you can maybe offer some pearls of wisdom on? Yes, definitely. I see kitties for arthritis. Most of my hospice cats have actually been for GI disease. So whether it's inflammatory bowel disease or lymphoma and inflammatory bowel disease can actually transform into lymphoma. So these kitties that we know they're losing tons of weight, they're not eating well, they're not staying hydrated. I treat a lot of those and and those are really challenging cases, but they're also incredibly rewarding because we can reduce stress by keeping them at home and doing everything at home. And then the stress actually makes their inflammatory bowel disease or their lymphoma a little less aggressive sometimes because they're not adding stress on top of it. I see a lot of just cancer in general with cats, mouth cancers or nasal cancers, those kind of things. Kidney disease is huge. We see a lot of kidney disease and those guys can be managed beautifully at home with diet and fluids and just supporting them and and keeping them comfortable making sure they're not nauseated. And nausea is another thing that's, that's big on my list because I'll ask a client, 
if their pet seems nauseous and they'll say, no, he never vomits. Well, I would have to say the number one cause of cats not eating in my experience is that they're nauseated. And so they just don't eat. You don't vomit if you don't eat generally. And so we'll say, I always tell them when in doubt, treat. That is the central thought of hospice care is if you don't know if they're in pain, treat them for pain. If they get better than it was pain. And so I will always put them on something for nausea and see if that helps. And more often than not, the owners go, oh, well, he feels so much better because dehydration and nausea will make them refuse food. So we're just addressing those kind of things. It's completely worth a shot. If I was nauseated, I would love it if someone would help me. (laughs) Definitely. Who wants to sit around feeling nauseated? And then what are we doing? We're shoving smelly, wet cat food in their face when they want to throw up. And, you know, if, if somebody did that to me, I'd probably kick them out of my house. Well, and you don't want them to lose weight. And I think that that is part of the role that you can play because someone's looking at their cat every day. And I see that a lot in my practice. They didn't realize he lost four pounds, but I hadn't seen him in three months and I knew instantly that there was an issue. So I think that that is a huge role that you can play. Yes. Yeah. Just checking them and seeing what changes we're seeing. And I'm as guilty as the next owner. You know, if my pets lose weight, I weigh my pets all the time because I can't tell because I see them every day. I touch them every day and someone will come over and go, wow, the dog's getting a little chubby. And I go, oh, geez, I didn't even realize, you know, because I just, (laughs) it, it happens so gradually. And so that's why it's so important to have them checked out at least twice a year when they're elderly. And for me, it's every three months if they have a chronic disease because I want to see those changes in weight. I want to monitor anything that's going on with them so that we can keep them around longer and happier at the same time. Well, I think that that communication between you and your clients or me and my clients or anyone and their veterinarian is so important because knowledge is power. And I say that all the time. You can prepare for the process that a disease is going to follow and head off symptoms along the way. And I think that is such an amazing partnership that we can have as veterinarians. Definitely. And we want our clients to have the trust in us to ask us what's going on and to want to bring their pets in. So You know, if there are people out there with kitties who we know they can't stand going to the veterinarian, there are things we can do to make that better. We can, your vet can prescribe sedatives that are pain medications that just make them feel so relaxed and less anxious. Or you can find a hospice veterinarian near you and have home visits where they come to the house and everything is done at home. And it really makes all the difference in the world. I think people get afraid to take their cats to the vet because it can be traumatic and it doesn't have to be. It isn't anything necessarily that the veterinary office is doing wrong. It's what we can do right to make that visit more comfortable for them. And it starts at home. There are things that we can do just prepping the pet to go to the vet clinic that makes a huge difference in how stressed they are once they get there. Well, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And I'm so glad that you mentioned fear-free because all the time I tell my clients, you know what, we'd like to give this pre-visit pharmaceutical and it's not a sedative. It's to make your kitty feel a sense of well-being so that there's no fear of the things that we're going to have to do. And I think that is so critical. Oh, yeah. I'm a very big fan. I'm very, very impressed with you being the first fear-free veterinarian ever, which is awesome. (laughs) You know, and and I'm one of the first hospice vets. So I think this is a, a really big deal that we're moving in this direction to make pets more comfortable, not only physically, but mentally as well. Oh, I do too. I'm so excited about the changes this industry is undergoing that's better for pets. So 
I kind of want to talk about the elephant in the room with you because you're so well-versed in making this better after these brief messages. If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, you'll fall in love with the Klepto Kitty who stars in Talk to the Paw by Melinda Metz. Talk to the Paw is a funny, heartwarming novel about a single girl, a single guy, and MacGyver, an adorable tabby cat with a not-so-adorable habit of stealing from the neighbors. Talk to the Paw is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more info. Hey, cat people, litter box smells always on your mind. Think about your cat, not the box, with World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that delivers big odor control in a tiny package. World's Best Cat Litter harnesses the concentrated power of corn to trap odors deep inside the litter. Ready to knock out smells and use less litter? Find World's Best Cat Litter at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. Dr. Buisson, what about euthanasia? Everyone dreads their last moment, and I think that we've made some pretty amazing advances in making this less traumatic for pets and the people that care about them. Can you talk about that a little more? Oh, yes. Euthanasia is one of my pet subjects. I teach euthanasia courses to veterinary professionals all over the world. And, you know, I think we are so lucky to have this as an option. I talk to people in human hospice quite a bit. Um, My own mother-in-law is in hospice now. And they tell me all the time, we wish that we could ease suffering for people and clients. You know, I go to clients all the time and they, they say, why can't we do this for people? And so I think we overlook what a gift this is that we can give our pets. It's not, it doesn't feel like a gift to us. It's absolutely miserable. But to know that we can suffer some so they don't have to suffer. And that's huge. And I think the main dread of euthanasia is that most people feel so alone. And a lot of, of veterinary care, you know, unfortunately some now, but but even back in the day was, well, your pet is dying, come back when you're ready for euthanasia. And that critical part of the support that you need while your pet is in the process of leaving this world is you can't skip that step. You've got to take care of it. And what I provide to my clients is they can call me anytime and talk to me on the phone and text me if they're having trouble. I check on them. And that's because I have the time to do that. Not all veterinary clinics have the time to to constantly do that, but that's what you need at the end of life. And that's why home hospice is becoming so popular because hospice veterinarians are able to spend that extra time and do that extra handholding. And then at the time that euthanasia is coming, we can come to the house and have them pass in their bed or in your bed, in their familiar spot, on your lap. And that's a beautiful thing. It takes so much of the stress out to have that intimate, private setting where a client can cry all they want to and not worry about what they look like or what they sound like. And the pets don't know that I'm there to be their doctor. You know, I'm, I'm in street clothes and I'm just there to hang out with them. I give them a little sedative. And by the time they realize that I'm doing doctor things, they're already relaxed and getting sleepy. And we sedate ahead of time so that there's no stress in giving that final injection. They're completely asleep. And it really can make their passing beautiful and much easier on the pet owner. Oh my gosh, yay. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) I absolutely do not do a euthanasia without full sedative because I feel like that's the part the client is going to remember. 
And your last moments should not be stressful. They should not be fearful. So we absolutely do that. And in fact, you may be able to hear the construction going on behind me because we are putting in a comfort room here at the animal hospital so that the pets can be in a room that has never been associated with examinations. It'll be a home environment with couches and calm. And I just feel like it's the part that everyone remembers. It's the most important part, I think, sometimes. So yay, I'm so glad that you said that. We put our pitch in for that. Oh, that's fantastic. And the comfort rooms, that is the best, the closest you can get to a home visit in the clinic. And I think the clinics that do this avoid that client aversion. There are clients that will never set foot in your clinic again after a euthanasia, even if everything went perfectly, because the trauma is just so much that they can't bear those memories. And why would you want to lose clients over that when you could either help them find someone who can do this at home or have a room that they've never been in and they'll never be in again until it's their time to do euthanasia again so that they don't have that negative association with your clinic. That's what we were thinking. So we wanted to make it a little bit more of a home feel, even for those that you know can't have a home visit and can't have an amazing hospice event like you. We're working on that now. It is the most flattering thing when somebody comes back to me with a new pet, a new kitten, when I had put down the old one, because that just tells me I'm doing something right, that they trusted me enough to go through the entire life with the older pet, and they still trust me to start again with a new pet. So that makes me feel good when they come back. Oh yeah. And that's a sign that you're doing well. And again, some people, the trauma is just too much and it has nothing to do with anything you did, but the the more that we can reduce that, the better. And I always encourage clinics call afterwards, find out how they're doing, check on them because losing a pet is extremely traumatic. It can be as traumatic as losing a family member because they are family to us. And I've had clients that I called back to check on them and they were suicidal and we need to be checking on them. I know it's it's uncomfortable, but you would not believe how much they appreciate that you just text them the next day and say, hey, I just want to know how you're doing and just make sure everything is okay and make sure that we don't just abandon them because they don't have a pet anymore. Absolutely. In fact, in my state, we have a grief counselor that serves our entire state associated with the University of Tennessee. And I have had to call them in for clients before because the pain was so great and the client felt like all of their friends didn't understand. It was just a cat or just a dog. And that's not true. Grieving is the same no matter who or what you lost. Oh, yes, 100% agree. And people don't understand. And that's not their fault. I feel bad for them if they've never had the relationship with a pet that they would grieve their loss as a family member. But there are so many people out there who are on board and who get it. And, you know, if you're out there and you've lost a pet and you feel alone or like you're crazy because you miss them so much, you are not alone and you are not crazy. There are people that can help support groups online, in person, and by phone, whatever suits you best. And it's important for all veterinary hospitals to have that information, but also for pet owners to know that they have places they can go if they need a little support. There's nothing wrong with needing support after your pet passes. I'm a professional. I do this for a living and I need help after my pets go as well. Oh, me too. Well, so if anyone out there is dealing with some grief issues, 
certainly reach out to me or Dr. Buisson. Our contact information is really pretty out there on social media. I am on Facebook at Catherine Prim DVM. And this broadcast will also have some links. If you need us, you reach out because we do this. This is part of what we do. And we just really want to help pets and the people that care about them. Yep. Anytime you need to reach out, I'm on Facebook as Helping Hands Pet Hospice. You are welcome to reach out. I know the Association for Pet Loss and Bereavement is out there, day-by-day pet loss. And there are lots of local places that do it, vet schools that do it. So there is help out there. And if you're in the process of losing a pet, anticipatory grief is huge. I think for me anyway, it's worse than afterwards. There's a little bit of a relief after they're gone, knowing that they're not suffering. But it's agonizing trying to make the decision and watching them struggle and trying different treatments. And so anticipatory grief support groups can be a huge help. And then you've got that support in place when your pet finally does pass, you know, all these people and you've been there and it's not anything scary. It's a group, you know, you can turn to, and that can help us to process that grief faster. I think that that is really important. So I think that the take-home messages from our show today are that a lot of cats have ongoing disease processes, and as their caregivers, we really need to be sensitive to that and include our veterinarian in the management of these issues and also preparing for maybe the disease trajectory that our cats may be facing so that, that we can help out. And knowing that we are not alone in the fact that we love our pets and that grief is real and is, you're not alone. We all understand. And I think that we're getting close to running out of time, but I really want to thank Dr. Buisson for joining us today because it was an amazing thing. And every pet owner really has this issue either now or in the future. So thank you so much for sharing with us your experiences. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. I'm so glad that we're going to get to reach more people and let them find out that there are things we can do to help their pets be more comfortable in their elder years and at the end of life. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us on Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And as always, I want to thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter, and I wish you all a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.